Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook. It's lovely to be together once again. Ephesians, the series on this New Testament letter, continues. And Malcolm Ryan with A Pastor Talks. At the moment, here on Serving Today, we're being taken through the book of Ephesians with the help of Ray Tibbs. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul has outlined the blessings of these believers' salvation, which was accomplished by God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Paul then prays that they might really know the power of Christ in their lives. So we now turn to chapter 2 of Ephesians, and Ray is going to tell us what the opening verses are all about. This whole chapter speaks much more about man. The first chapter spoke about God, and now Paul moves on to look at mankind. And he says here in these opening verses that all men are the objects of God's wrath. He reminds the Ephesian Christians of their condition before they were saved. It describes anyone who is unsaved and is not pleasant reading. Our unregenerate past has three elements. Yes, maybe you could explain what that word unregenerate means. Yes, it means those who have not been born again by the Spirit of God, those in whom there is no eternal life, no spiritual life. There is natural life, which means they can breathe, of course, but there is no sensitivity to the things of God. So first of all, he says, you were dead in verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Death speaks of a cold inertia and inactivity, being insensitive and unmoved by the things of God. The cause of death was transgression and sin, effectively two different ways of referring to the same thing. The former, transgressions, refers to the crossing of a boundary, and the second term, sins, refers to falling short of a target. The result is spiritual separation from God, not just being ignorant and unfeeling about him, but actively rebellious towards him. What do these verses say about external factors or reasons which influence this basic human condition? There are two. First of all, there is what happens around us, our environment. We live in a foul disease-ridden environment, the world. We move zombie-like 
in an unreal, false and empty life, being willingly led by the thoughts and practices of godlessness which surrounds us. Those influences vary hugely according to time and place, but they're always damaging to the welfare of the soul. The other factor is that we have an enemy. That world and the antagonism it produces against God are in turn manipulated by Satan. This is his sphere of activity. He works here amongst us between the angels and men. Luke 10 verse 18, 1 John verse 19 in chapter 5, Revelation 12 verses 7 through to 9. And so he works to maximise the potential of godlessness. And so, Ray, what does this spiritual deadness lead to then? First of all, it leads to our gratification of our sinful nature in verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Those two external factors which you've just referred to work upon a basic human condition that is already open to their influence, that is, sinful human nature, which is part of every individual. Our depraved heart had corrupt desires, and our depraved mind worked out how to satisfy those desires so that our depraved will would perform them to our satisfaction. Sin shuts down our spiritual faculties or perverts our spiritual faculties so that we remain in powerless subjection to the pollution and misery of a lawless state. We pleased ourselves without giving any thought of pleasing God. But even if we did attempt to please God, we were always incapable of doing so fully. That sounds very grim. What, according to these opening verses of Ephesians chapter 2, is the ultimate outcome of such behaviour? Well, verse 3 tells us that we were objects of wrath. Yes, and it just says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The inevitable consequence of this condition which we've described was punishment by God. He could not ignore the lawlessness of those he had created in his own image and was justifiably angry with their rejection of him. The separation from himself, which was the distinguishing mark of sinners, would not only become a permanent condition but intensified in its effect. Eternal suffering was their expected end. 
dwelling on our past, albeit briefly, can be a salutary experience, especially if we've been saved for many years. It can be a useful reminder of what we've been saved from, and therefore a measure of our indebtedness to Christ. Ray, I'm glad you say that when we dwell on our past, we should do it briefly. I think for some listeners or those in the congregation served by our listeners, the past can be extremely painful indeed. Yes, there may be things in our past over which we can justifiably be ashamed and lament over, but we can rejoice that it is past and therefore passed away. Looking back at our old self can also help us to see the unsaved around us in a true light. We may be surrounded by pleasant people who bear us no ill will, and so we are pleasant to them in turn. But we may have little concern for their eternal well-being if we have forgotten that we were once like them. And so is there a practical outcome to these sombre verses? Yes, viewing family and friends with the spiritual perception of these verses should prompt us to make more earnest prayers and more faithful witnessing toward them. Thank you, Ray, for that challenge. Thank you. Throughout the scriptures there are episodes in which the main characters wrestle with hard situations. What these all have in common is a difficult word. To tell us more, here's Malcolm Ryan in A Pastor Talks. Vashti was queen of Persia and the wife of King Xerxes. And while giving a feast, being a bit of a show-off and drunk at the time, Xerxes thought it would be a good idea to put his queen on display for all to admire. What he hadn't counted on was Queen Vashti saying no, even though it would mean not being queen anymore. Someone else who said no was Joseph. He'd been sold into slavery by his jealous brothers and became a slave to Potiphar, who worked for the king of Egypt. And Joseph was getting on pretty well. That is, until Potiphar's wife began to sexually harass him. Day after day she tried tempting him, and day after day he resisted her advances even though it would mean being sent to prison when the spurned temptress made false accusations against him. In the New Testament letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, Keep yourself pure and flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Okay, so sometimes it's hard to say no, but when saying no is the right thing to do, God will help us to stand up for what's right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 we're told, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out, so that you can endure it. Moses was yet another person to say no. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we're told, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses had to make a choice, just as you and I have to make choices. So was he silly to say no to his privileged position? Not at all. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 17 we're warned that whoever loves pleasure will become poor. What's more, the Bible talks about people who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and tells us to have nothing to do with them. How about you? Do you love the empty pleasures of the world, the devil and the flesh more than you love God? Well, it's not too late to say a sincere sorry to God and ask him to help you become the person he wants you to be. Now, when Jesus was tempted, he didn't argue with the devil, he simply quoted scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written, he said, and the devil was defeated at every turn. As for us, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us so we can live under the smile of God. So, not only does he bring the joy of salvation to our hearts, he also helps us say yes to what's good and no to what's bad. Malcolm Ryan bringing our programme to a close here on Serving Today. If there's anything you would like to ask us about, please do get in touch. The details follow shortly. So, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God make us faithful as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye.